after five months of relative peace, the war in Ethiopia between the federal government and the Tigray People's Liberation Front resumed on August the 24th. The fragile humanitarian truce which allowed aid into Tigray, where tens of thousands have died and millions have been left displaced, collapsed after hostilities flared up between the warring factions. It's still not clear what ignited the resurgence in fighting. It's now back to the drawing board where until now, mediation efforts by the African Union, the United States, European Union, and the United Nations all reached a deadlock. In a significant shift, the Tigray forces say they are now willing to participate in a process led by the African Union. In this podcast, we explore whether the African Union is best suited to lead this process. And we look at some pitfalls the African body faced in the conflict. We'll be asking what responsibility other African countries have to aid in one of the continent's worst wars. I'm Kwang Guliwewe from New Lines Magazine. This is The Lead. My first guest today is Dr. Adeoye Akinola from the Institute for Pan-African Thoughts and Conversation. Thanks for joining me, Dr. Akinola. Thank you for having me on your show. So now the idea of African solutions for African problems, it's been a mantra since the early 1990s. With the Ethiopia-Tigray conflict, um, the AU has already been involved in this peace process since it broke out two years ago, but not much has been achieved. What do you attribute this to, Doc? When we speak about African solution to African problem, I hope we are not going to misinterpret it. To say that Africans do not need help from outside Africa, but what it speaks to is the ownership of conflict resolution mechanism. So Africans themselves should lead in resolving conflict within the continent. And that's what the AU has tried to do as any effective as we could argue, but African Union has been able to now put in place mechanisms that will lead in the resolution of the conflict. What mechanisms are these? If you noted, uh, the first thing they did was to appoint the ex-president of Nigeria, uh, Olusha Gwaba Sanjo, uh, to actually lead this process. He has been trying to mediate between the two parties. Initially, the Tigray the Chigre actors insisted that they were not going to be part of the peace process. But because of some high diplomacy and assistance of the AU, that they will actually provide a neutral platform. The Tigre party are now on board. So something has changed. Yes. Would you be in a position to know what has changed? Because I do recall that uh, they were not happy with the choice of Obasanjo. And also former Kenyan president Uhuru Kenyatta was also involved in the process. Now he's no longer president. We have William Ruto. Are you expecting Ruto to play a key role in this mediation process? Uh, well, the, 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 it's, it's exceedingly difficult for two parties to accept a, a, a no mediation of somebody mediating because of one conflict of interest or the other. But I, I'm sure at this stage, I think the AU have been able to convince the two parties that uh, the, the, the leader in this uh, mediating team, talking about President Obasanjo, is neutral. The only thing he wants is just peace. I'm not sure that the current president of, of Kenya will be able to lead the negotiator team because it comes with experience. It comes with mutual respect. And uh, I'm not sure he's in a position to do that. The AU has its own African standby force, and this is supposed to be operational by now. And yet um, we failed to see them doing anything in this conflict. The, the reality, despite the rhetorics concerning the African standby force, that the standby force are not standing by anywhere. 
uh, the, the forces have not been actually institutionalized, uh, despite the series of promises and all of that. So uh, they only rely on contribution from member states when they need to mobilize peacekeepers. So as it is, there's no standby force that will directly engage in the conflict. Okay, now, um, now that the AU has been brought back into this mediation process, what steps do you think they should take um, to deal with this? Yeah, uh, thank you. I think the first thing they ought to do is also to involve other external actors. I know the, 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 chair, the, the AUC chair promised that they will invite external actors that are relative, that are neutral, because you need confidence from both parties. I know the Tigray actors have been exceedingly receptive because as at last month, they insisted that they were not going to be a party to this because they, they, they sense that the AU is likely going to support the Ethiopian side. So well, currently as it is, I think what the AU should be is first to build confidence and for you to build confidence, then you must be open, you must be transparent and they must invite maybe the, U the United Nations Security Council. Maybe they might want to also involve uh, the European Union so that their, their ads are just in the open. I, I think that's the first thing I think they should do. Okay, now talking about these external factors, um, actors rather, Already, I mean, the U.S. is already involved. Um, the EU is already involved. Um, what role have they paid, played in the past two two years in this conflict in helping this mediation? Uh, well, for, for instance, the United States have tried to say we are not supporting any actor. Once you are complicit in the conflict, then we sanction you. I've not seen the AU coming forcefully to make such statements. Maybe they also need to be careful because of their relationship with the Ethiopian leadership in one side. So, of course, we are not expecting the external actors to lead or to take the lead in the negotiation, but we expect them to just oversee so that they are pressed. But when they are present there, whatever is being discussed is actually open to the entire world. And there might be some sense of legitimacy when external uh, parties are present. Maybe the Tigray community may want to trust the process, uh, as they have uh, said initially that they didn't trust the AU. But now they have said they trust the AU. But maybe if there are other parties on board, they will trust them the more. Okay, still on that point about other parties being on board. When we look at the international um, efforts when it comes to this Ethiopia-Tigray conflict, don't you think they're more distracted by what's happening in Russia, between Russia and Ukraine, and not giving the Ethiopia Tigray conflict, um, the much needed attention. The Tigray conflict started in 2020. Ukraine Russia was started this year. So, even before the Ukraine Russia war, there have been less attention uh, directed at Tigray. And that is consistent with the reaction of the world to African peace and security issues. Uh, most of the times, it's even at the level of rhetorics uh, without. Uh, concerted effort and commitment being made by the external uh, actors. And that's why we are saying that, yeah, you should take the lead. Let external actors support the efforts of the AU. And I think that is what is being put on the table now. But we just have to cross our fingers and expect that this will bring a lasting solution to the crisis. Apart from the international actors, if we look at Africa itself, the Russia-Ukraine war has received so much wide coverage. That's in the media, you know, research, think tanks, they're all talking about that. And yet, in their own background, the Ethiopia-Tigray conflict is um, going on. What's your comment on that? 
Yeah, I've also commented on this in one of my opinion pieces that look. Uh, that has been consistent with uh, the, the character of African leadership, and many of them are also involved in resolving the crisis far away in Ukraine and Russia, whereby on their own turf, there's fire on the roof or fire on the mountain. So uh, one, one thing I, I conclude is just that Africans don't love themselves, uh, particularly talking about African leaders. Uh, most of the time, they would rather react to something that is uh, far off instead of reacting to internal conflicts. If you look across Africa, not only Tigray, there is crisis in Mozambique, there's crisis in Congo DRC. There's Boko Haram insurgency in Nigeria. In the Sahel, there are all kinds of crises. So, so it's not only Tigray and, and Ethiopia. There are other crises that African leadership have been unable to resolve. Perhaps lack of commitment. Okay. And um, finally, the UN General Assembly is on now in New York. Um, do you expect this Ethiopia-Tigray conflict to be on their radar? It's not, it can be on their radar, but for years the Darfur have been on the radar of the UN. For years the Malian crisis have been on their radar. For years Boko Haram insurgency have been on their radar. But the question is, have they been able to muster the, the commitment that is required to resolve this conflict? And the answer is no. So the same thing could still be replicated in the case of Tigray Ethiopian crisis. I'm not that optimistic. Thank you very much, Dr. Akinola. Thank you. That was Dr. Adeoya Akinola from the Institute for Pan-African Thoughts and Conversation. As the Ethiopian Tigray conflict rages on, the rest of Africa is seemingly more focused on the Ukraine-Russia war because of the adverse impact it is having on their economies. All this focus despite the thousands of lives lost and millions displaced in Ethiopia. I spoke to Chris Maroling, the Executive Director of Good Governance Africa, about this, and I started by asking him how impactful the African Union will be in mediating this conflict when they'd already been involved since the war broke out two years ago. Chris, thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me on your program. Ethiopia has seen a return of hostilities in the north of the country, and this has affected the country's progress towards lasting peace. Both sides of the war in faction have now agreed to look at the African Union to mediate this conflict. The AU, Chris, has already been involved in the peace process so far, but it hasn't been that effective. What do you attribute this to? Yeah, indeed. I think one of the, the, the key things is that this is really a conflict that highlights the deep structural and systemic deficits that we have noted in terms of governance in Ethiopia that have remained unaddressed which have resulted in the uh, outbreak of conflict that we've witnessed in the Tigray region of uh, Ethiopia. And as a result of this, um, any attempt to bring about a peaceful resolution to this conflict will have to address these deep systemic and structural features that I talked to um, and ultimately address uh, the consequences of bad governance and poor institutions that do not really have the capacity uh, to address the, the, the real grievances that are faced by many regions in Ethiopia. So does the AU actually have the capacity to do this now that they've been, you know, they've already been on board anyway? Well, look, it, it's not so much whether the AU has the capacity to do, to do this, but whether there is uh, the possibility of developing a kind of a settlement um, that addresses these uh, structural and systemic uh, 
aspects that I am talking about today. And, and I, I think that it is, whether it's the AU or the United Nations, uh, what is quite clear is that what is actually required is a reformation of not just the institutions, but very much the manner in which politics is carried out in Ethiopia. Okay. So now let's move on. The Russia-Ukraine conflict broke out uh, February the 24th. And this gripped the world's attention, you know, with the global community, they're all rallying around it in an attempt to resolve this conflict. Now we look at President Maki Sall of Senegal. He visited Russia in June. We've seen envoys from both Ukraine and Russia visiting Africa. Now my question to you is, are, are African leaders themselves giving this conflict more attention than what's happening in their own backyard with um, Ethiopia? One of the key things that we have noted since the outbreak of uh, the conflict in Ukraine is that it has had significant impact, uh, not just on uh, the rest of the globe, but specifically uh, on Africa. And here I refer to aspects related to inflationary pressures that have been caused by um, inavailability of uh, commodities such as fuel, petrol, diesel, and other such commodities, uh, which Ukraine was exporting to um, the African region. But more importantly, what we've seen has been uh, the impact of uh, supply chain uh, disruptions, particularly with fertilizers uh, that come to Africa, uh, that go into uh, the agricultural production processes in Africa. This has had a significant impact on Africa. So the, the war in Ukraine, even though it occurs uh, in Eastern Europe, does have a significant ramifications, both in terms of inflation, in terms of supply chain, in terms of availability of uh, important commodities uh, in Africa. And as a result, Africans and African uh, politicians and leaders uh, together have begun to pay increasing attention to the consequences of this conflict. So it's supply chain disruptions in Africa, inflation versus thousands of lives lost in Ethiopia, millions displaced. Is that um, a fair thing to say? It's unfair because this is an unfair dichotomy. You see, Kwango, just because you are chewing gum doesn't mean you must sit down. You can walk and chew gum at the same time. And what we're saying is that African leaders certainly must be focused on bringing about peace and security on the African continent and must also understand their place in the globe and similarly uh, participate to cushion Africa from impacts of instability as they may occur all across the world. Okay. So talking about the AU um, and its role, do you think they have the financial and institutional capacity in the first place to deal with crises such as the one in Ethiopia, what's happening in Mozambique? Yes, uh, they, they have some capacity. However, that capacity is not really strong enough. I think one of the key things that has uh, seized African leaders, especially when we talk about reforming the African Union to make it more effective, uh, to make it more impactful, is really also ensuring that Africa and the AU in particular develops uh, the internal capacity to address the complex challenges uh, that face Africa that do not just emanate from the continent itself, 
but really from across the globe. Okay. And the idea of African solutions to African problems, we've been hearing this, Chris, since the early 1990s, but still no solutions. Well, that is exactly what we want. We want Africans to develop those solutions. We want an African Union that has the capacity uh, to be a partner for these important um, uh, interventions uh, that must be led in many ways by the African Union. I think many Africans lament the fact that 20 years on from the establishment of the African Union, uh, we don't seem to be any much further down the road in ensuring that we develop this kind of institutional capacity. And uh, this is exactly the point about African solutions to African problems. These problems must ultimately have the propensity to solve these complex challenges that face the continent. And finally, Chris, um, now that the AU has been welcomed into the mediation process by both sides of the war in faction in Ethiopia, what should they be doing? What should they be focusing on um, to lead this process? With Ethiopia, Tigray in particular, there is no uh, silver bullet that will resolve uh, the crisis there. I think what they must be really focused on is developing a comprehensive approach that talks to the systemic and structural nature of this conflict. They must also not try to uh, simply address uh, the symptoms, uh, but really focus on the root causes of what causes the challenges that have led to this conflict in Ethiopia. By doing so, they will restore long-lasting uh, peace and security, not just to Ethiopia, but to the region. Chris Marilyn, thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Thank you. With the United Nations General Assembly underway, some view this as an opportunity to highlight the Ethiopia-Tigray conflict. Ethiopian activist Tedla Asfor spoke to me from New York, where he has lived for the past 15 years. I asked him what his expectations were ahead of Ethiopian Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed's address to the United Nations. Tedla, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Now, the UN General Assembly, Tedla, is currently underway in New York. And um, Ethiopia hasn't yet spoken. They're expected to speak probably on Friday. What do you anticipate um, the president of Ethiopia will talk, touch on? I mean, um, it's, it's most probably it will, it will talk about everything, uh, including the war, of course, uh, about the climate change where we have in the eastern and southern parts of Ethiopia a drought. And on the other side, we have the other part of Ethiopia, we have tremendous rainfall, flooding too. So it is a mixed baggage, but I think it's going to concentrate on the war. Ethiopia is still trying to come out from this terrible war peacefully, and uh, they are backing up the African Union effort, and they are calling for solidarity. You know, Africans uh, really should work among themselves to, to solve their problems. African solution for African problems, I think. They might, they might focus on that. Okay, but here at the UN General Assembly, do you have the confidence that the African leaders themselves will voice concerns over the Ethiopia-Tigray conflict? Or do you think they will be distracted more with the Russia-Ukraine conflict? Well, I heard yesterday from a Barbados president mentioning exactly what you said. The world is now focusing on Ukraine, but we have Syria, Yemen, even she, she picked up the Tigray region of Ethiopia and the world should focus equally on all problems. 
And the Africans, I might tell you that, they are not going to ignore this problem because African Union, the headquarter is in Addis Ababa. And they, they see how the, the people, even in Addis, whenever there is a call for peace, how the people are reacting positively. So they know that this problem has to be solved and they will not ignore it. They try to rally behind this motto, African solution for African problems. I don't think that they have a choice anyway. We cannot hide from this. We have to face it. I believe the Africans will see it as it is because they know that. But Tedla, this is not the first time that the AU has been involved in this particular peace process. The war broke out two years ago and still it's ongoing and nothing seems to be done to improve the situation. So what confidence do you have that the AU can help? Whenever there is a conflict in, in Africa, unless outside forces try to get involved directly in these things, Africans will see that they will solve it. This is a two years old war. The Yemeni war is how many years? If you go to Libya, the same thing. This is not a quick solution. They know that this is this crisis rooted in the political process. They know that. Okay. So um, I think I heard you earlier say um, you talked about these external actors. Are you saying that we do not need um, them involved in this conflict? Actors like the US, EU? Foreign powers, if they give them any role, maybe they can help us in some, you know, expertise, advice or whatever. But you cannot keep them in the process. That's why I said that I really believe that European Union, UK and United States are not impartial. And we know that. They want to have their mark on this problem. They want to tell us that Africans, we are not capable of solving our own problems, and that has to stop. Okay, Ted, like, so you've clearly said that the AU and Africans can solve this. What steps do they need to take to solve the problem? Okay, as the commissioner said, or no, Wasanjo said, they have to call for peace process, but they cannot now declare that there should be a, a ceasefire, so they have to wait, then the, the, the negotiation will start. I think so. I think the negotiation will start soon. Okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. This has been The Lead, the New Lines Magazine podcast. You can follow Chris on Twitter at Chris Maroleng, Tedla at Yegodana Nwit, and Adeoye at IPACT. This episode was produced by Joshua Martin and hosted by me, Kwang Bugiwewe. For more like this, subscribe to The Lead on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for joining us.